Our final podcast in the male reproductive series will look at some of the accessory glands in the penis. The accessory sex glands are, of course, the seminal vesicles. These are paired. They secrete a fructose-rich fluid. The prostate gland is the largest male accessory sex gland, secretes acid phosphatase, fibrinolysin, citric acid, and prostate-specific antigen, PSA, as you may know, as a serine protease. And then the bulbourethral or copra's glands are paired glands. These secrete a pre-seminal fluid. The seminal vesicles are dependent on testosterone for maintenance. They're uh, highly folded, and in fact it looks like it's an organ that has multiple lumens because of the highly folded nature. These are paired tubular glands. They're located on the posterior wall of the urinary bladder, parallel to the ampulla of the vas deferens. They combine with the ampulla of the vas deferens to form the ejaculatory duct. It's a pseudo-stratified columnar epithelium, no cilia, with very characteristics of protein secretory cells. There are short, round basal stem cells in the seminal vesicle epithelium. There's an inner circular and an outer longitudinal layer of smooth muscle. The seminal vesicles secrete fructose, amino acids, ascorbic acids, and prostaglandins. Contraction of the smooth muscle during ejaculation discharges the secretory product into the ejaculatory duct, and that helps to flush sperm out of the urethra. Here's a lower power view of the seminal vesicle, again an outpocketing of the vas deferens. Note the highly folded mucosa, the thick muscle wall, and note that it looks like an organ that has more than one lumen. This is really just all one lumen, but since the organ is so highly folded, the mucosa is so highly folded or convoluted, it gives this appearance. Now the prostate gland is the largest accessory male sex gland. It's inferior to the urinary bladder, consists of perhaps 30 to 50 tubuloalveolar glands that are arranged in three concentric layers. There's a mucosal or innermost layer, a submucosal or intermediate layer, and then the main prostatic glands that comprise the peripheral layer. The prostate is about the size and shape of a walnut in adult men. The prostatic parenchyma is divided into four anatomically and clinically distinct zones. The peripheral zone is the main portion of the gland. It's about 70% of the glandular tissue. It's most susceptible to inflammation. It's the site of most prostatic carcinomas. Fortunately, this region is easily palpable during a digital rectal exam. So it's possible for the clinician to detect changes not only in size of the prostate, but if there are any irregularities which might suggest a carcinoma. The central zone is about 20% of the glandular tissue. It's resistant to inflammation and also resistant to carcinoma. The transitional zone contains the mucosal glands. This is the site of benign prostatic hypoplasia. Nodular masses can build up and compress the urethra, which of course cause difficulty in urination. The periurethral zone contains mucosal and submucosal glands. In later stages of benign prostatic hypoplasia, the stromal tissue in this zone undergoes excessive growth. BPH is a problem of significance for a lot of men. When you get to the fifth or sixth decade of life, men start having symptoms of benign prostatic hypoplasia. By the time men reach their eighth decade of life, almost 90% of men will be suffering from some type of prostatic condition, most likely benign prostatic hypoplasia. 
prostate histopathology. The glands are very highly irregular in shape. They're lined by a highly variable epithelium. It's usually a pseudo-stratified columnar epithelium. The prostate gland is rich in smooth muscle. This becomes diagnostic for IDing the prostate gland, the smooth muscle, and the stroma. With age, the glands increasingly contain calcified concretions called corpora amylatia. I'll show you what these look like histologically in a few minutes. And as we said, the periurethral glands are the sites of benign hypoplasia. The main glands, more away from the urethra, are the sites of prostatic cancer. The gland structure and function is highly dependent on testosterone. And just a side note to be aware of, circulating PSA, prostate screening antigen, is common test that's used for detecting potential prostatic cancer. PSA is produced by the liver, but the rise in PSA produced by the prostate is what's detected in the clinical PSA screens. PSA screening gives a lot of false positives because you can have elevated PSA with benign prostatic hypoplasia as well as with infections and other inflammations of the prostate. So elevated PSA doesn't in and of itself denote prostate cancer, and the best way to detect prostate cancer is probably an annual exam. The image on the left is a horizontal section through the prostate from an individual with BPH. There are numerous nodules which are actually shown compressing the urethra. In H&E section you can see numerous epithelial folds that are protruding into the glandular lumens. Here's a histological view of normal prostate with a Mallory azon stain to distinguish smooth muscle from the connective tissue stroma. Note the concretions in some of the lumens of the glands. Now the higher magnification on the right shows the pseudostratified columnar epithelium that makes up the majority of the secretory cells in the prostate. You can also see some basal or stem cells in this view. Just another view of the prostate. On the left you can note the extensive amounts of smooth muscle and the stroma and note the concretions in the glandular lumens. These concretions, again, a very diagnostic feature of the prostate gland. So taken together the concretions and the smooth muscle and there'd be no question that you're looking at the prostate gland. The bulbourethral glands or cupra's glands are small glands. They're about the size of a pea. They're located in the urogenital diaphragm. They're a compound tubuloalveolar gland. They secrete mucus. The epithelium is a simple columnar epithelium. The height of the epithelium varies depending on testosterone level. Sexual stimulation causes release of secretory products from the bulbourethral glands, and this constitutes the major portion of the preseminal fluid. The secretions function to lubricate the penile urethra. A few words about semen. Semen consists obviously of sperm plus fluid from the testis plus secretory products from the epididymis, vas deferens, prostate seminal vesicles, and bulbourethral glands. The average ejaculate is about 3 mils in volume. There's about 100 million sperm per milliliter. It turns out that 20% of the sperm may be abnormal morphologically. 25% of the sperm in an ejaculate may be immotile. Semen production, just a few words about that, the bulbourethral glands and perhaps even glands of letra that line the urethra secrete mucus to lubricate and buffer the urethra in response to sexual arousal. The smooth muscle in the stroma of the prostate contracts, expelling citrate buffered products, which is about 20% of the semen. 
that buffered product protects the sperm against oxidants. Simultaneously, sperm are released. That's about 10% of the semen. The sperm are released from the epididymis. Peristaltic contractions of the vas deferens move sperm along. The seminal vesicles release their thick, viscous, somewhat alkaline product, which pushes out all the other components. And the seminal vesicle secretions constitute about 70% of the semen. This is a section of erectile tissue. Erectile tissue is basically irregular, vascular spaces lined by endothelium, and the endothelium is surrounded by thin sheets of smooth muscle that form trabecula. The image on the left is a section near the base of the penis, and you can see connective tissue. You can notice the tunica albuginea surrounding the corpus cavernosum. You can see at the basal portion of the penis, the corpus cavernosum is actually divided into two. Notice the very thick connective tissue around the corpus cavernosum with much less connective tissue around the corpus spongiosum. And the image on the right is a section through the corpus spongiosum with the penile urethra right in the middle. Now you can imagine, of course, the corpus spongiosum also is erectile tissue, but if there was a pretty dense connective tissue surrounding the corpus spongiosum, then during an erection the urethra would be closed down. And obviously that's not something that would be to an advantage. So that's why there's not the connective tissue around the corpus spongiosum.